Welcome to Quanta Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. Before we begin, we want to acknowledge that this is the 200th episode of the Quanto Science Podcast. Whether you've been with us since our first episode seven years ago, or if this is your first time, thanks so much for listening. And if you like this podcast, check out the other podcasts from Quanta Magazine, like The Joy of Y and The Joy of X, both hosted by Stephen Strogatz, with a new season of The Joy of Y coming up in 2023. The aging brains of people with Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and other neurodegenerative diseases have telltale aggregates of proteins in or around their neurons. How these protein clumps might be harming the neurons is often still unclear, but they are hallmarks of the conditions. And until now, they have been associated almost exclusively with elderly brains. That's next. Quanta Magazine is an editorially independent online publication supported by the Simons Foundation to enhance public understanding of science. A recent study by a team of Stanford University researchers suggests that protein aggregation may be a universal phenomenon in aging cells. It could be involved in many more diseases of aging than was suspected. Their discovery points to a new way of thinking about what goes wrong in cells as they age, and potentially to new ways of staving off some consequences of the aging process. Della David is a researcher on aging at the Babraham Institute in Cambridge, England, who wasn't part of the study. It's really nice that they've done this study over lots of different organs. That's sort of been sporadically done in a few organs in mice, but not at this scale. What I think is really important is that it shows that protein aggregation is really a problem that the organism has to deal with, and this is conserved throughout evolution. And this is widespread. It's not just one specific tissue. It's lots of different tissues. The research also highlights that protein aggregation is tightly bound up with essential mechanisms that allow cells to regulate their physiologies with exquisite delicacy. Biologists will need to assess carefully possibly on a case-by-case basis, whether protein aggregates represent a threat to cells or a defense they've created. The new work was posted to the bioarchive.org preprint server in March. It's the first attempt to quantify how much protein aggregation occurs throughout the body during the natural aging of a vertebrate animal, in this case, a very short-lived fish. The study shows that protein aggregation probably contributes to the gradual deterioration of many tissues over time. The findings even offer a hint about why these aggregates are so much more obvious in the brain than in other tissues. It may be because brains have been evolving so rapidly. Dan Yaroche is the Stanford systems biologist who oversaw the experiments with his geneticist colleague, Anne Brunet. I think the thing that was really unexpected to me in this paper was how often proteins that, when mutated, are associated with a degenerative disease, wound up aggregating in their wild-type form in the old animals and in different tissues. It has made me wonder whether many more diseases of age 
that we don't presently connect to protein aggregation might in fact involve it. Yarosh says the African turquoise killifish is the shortest-lived vertebrate that can be bred in captivity. It lives in ephemeral ponds in East Africa that dry Mm. up, and basically all of its life thus happens in four to six months. And the Mm. amount of time that it spends in youth, middle age, and advanced age are, you know, as a fraction of lifespan, very similar to us. And over the six months that it might live, it gets cancer and cataracts. It's just those things happen in weeks rather than decades. The fish can even develop brain-related changes that resemble neurodegenerative disorders like Alzheimer's in humans. Its brief lifespan, much shorter than that of a lab mouse, and rapid natural aging make it an ideal model for studying aging in vertebrates. Dario Valenzano is an evolutionary biologist at the Max Planck Institute for the Biology of Aging and the Leibniz Institute on Aging, both in Germany. He did his postdoctoral training with Brunet. He says these fish have a very high mutational load to begin with. In other words, already when they're born, they're filled with bad variants, like disease variants. So this is not something that has to do with how many mutations accumulate throughout the life of an individual, but this is the burden of mutations that you're born with that will lead you on a quite predictable downwards trajectory when it comes to disease onset after sexual maturation, which is what we call aging indeed. And what's striking about this fish is that it's not just protein aggregation or heart failure or brain dysfunction that occur with aging, but pretty much any organ and tissue that we look at will undergo some quite catastrophic transformation during aging. And so it's, in other words, is a natural experiment of multi-level complex aging that just unfolds before our eyes. The Stanford team conducted an extensive analysis of the proteins in killifish at various stages of youth and maturity. In the aging killifish, they discovered protein aggregates in all the tissues that they looked at, not only the brain, but also the heart, gut, liver, muscle, skin, and testes. More than half of the aggregating proteins seemed to show an intrinsic tendency to aggregate in further experiments. But precisely which proteins aggregated differed substantially from one tissue to another. Many of the proteins were expressed at essentially equivalent levels in multiple tissues, yet while they aggregated in one, they did not clump at all in others. Here's researcher Della David. The extent of tissue specificity of the aggregating proteome is amazing. We have evidence that certain proteins aggregate in certain tissues in elegance, but not in others. But it's sort of anecdotal, whereas here you've got this beautiful study which shows how specific this is. David and other researchers think the reasons for those differences reflect how cells maintain the quality of their proteins. Cells have elaborate machinery for ensuring that the long, chain-like peptide molecules making up proteins get folded properly, and even for making sure that the peptides are eventually chopped up for recycling. The different tissues rely to different extents on different accesses of the protein quality control machinery, and they're using different strategies. And that raises the question how that changes with age. Because there is some evidence as well that certain cell types will rely on a certain 
branch of the protein quality control in young, and then that changes over in aging. It also says that the organism really must have a lot of different ways to protect itself against aggregation. Cynthia Kenyon, vice president of aging research at the biotechnology company Calico Life Sciences, says this is really important because one of the huge mysteries of human biology is why these neurodegenerative diseases are so tissue-specific. Kenyon wasn't involved in the Stanford paper. No one really knows, for example, why the amyloid protein plaques of Alzheimer's disease form in the hippocampus of the brain, and the aggregates in Parkinson's disease are specific to dopamine neurons. Kenyon says the possibility that various cells maintain their protein quality differently at least provides a possible explanation for why different tissues should behave so differently. There's good evidence from studies of worms and flies that if the machinery that preserves the stability of proteins is perturbed, animals age more rapidly. If the protein quality control pathways are genetically enhanced, the animals tend to live longer. None of this means that protein aggregation causes aging, but it strongly implies that the two are tightly correlated. To further probe the relationship between protein aggregation and aging, the Stanford researchers looked more closely at the proteins in a mutant variety of killifish that ages unusually quickly. These fish have a mutation in their gene for the enzyme telomerase, which preserves the length of the dividing chromosomes. Animals with telomerase mutations typically age quickly. Yarosh says he and his colleagues expected to find that there would be fewer aggregates in the gut and other tissues that grew or replaced themselves rapidly. Extra cell divisions would give rapidly growing tissues more opportunities to clear away aggregates and reset themselves. But the opposite was true. Fast-growing tissues had more misfolded and aggregated proteins, and they aged more rapidly than tissues that grew slowly. Once again, problems with the cell's control over the quality of its proteins may be the explanation. If cells lose control over the processes that maintain the quality of their proteins, more damage from aggregates may build up with each cell division. Tissues that grow rapidly may age faster because they have more chances to accumulate that harm. Why proteins sometimes aggregate is complicated. Surprisingly, part of the answer turns out to be deeply connected to an essential mechanism called condensation that cells use to control their proteins. Here's Yarosh again. Protein condensation, it looks like in development, is really important and adaptive, right? It helps us become what we are. Whereas what looks like a very similar phenomenon, but probably in a less organized and orchestrated way, later in life is associated with pathology. So trying to understand that difference and how much of it is about the different structures that an aggregated protein might adopt and how much of it might be about the context is, I think, very interesting. The complex 3D shapes that peptides fold into were historically seen as dictating the activities and functions of the proteins they made up. But in the last decade or so, researchers discovered that a growing list of proteins have an intrinsically disordered region that doesn't fold into a stable shape. 
Under the right conditions, multitudes of these proteins gather into droplets or condensates, a reversible process akin to the phase separation that makes oil form droplets in water. It can enhance enzyme activity by concentrating enzymes together with their substrates or suppress activity by sequestering enzymes away from their substrates. By altering the local concentration of substrates and enzymes within themselves, cells can use condensates to finely tune their protein activity. But the disorder regions of proteins can also cause them to stick together more permanently as aggregates gumming up cells and wreaking havoc. Worse, some defective proteins not only misfold and aggregate themselves, but also cause other proteins of the same type to misfold, leading to a chain reaction of aggregation. This is conceptually similar to what happens in mad cow disease and variant Creutzfeldt-Jakob syndrome, a fatal disease in which abnormally folded proteins called prions catalyze a wave of abnormal protein aggregation in the brain. Condensation is therefore a control mechanism that comes with risks. But in evolutionary terms, Yarosh says its advantages are apparently so substantial that the cost of vulnerability to many aging-associated diseases seems to be worth paying. A clear illustration of this emerged in a second preprint posted in March, in which the Stanford team homed in on a protein called DDX5 that aggregates in aging killifish brains. DDX5 is most active in its condensate state. Here's Stanford researcher Dan Yarosh. The condensate goes from being an entity that looks beautifully put together, it enhances activity, everything seems great about it. <laughs> then over time, it will kind of degenerate into a much less well-formed condensate, right? It becomes a solid and it's completely inactive. And in fact, it has this prion-like quality in that it can convert soluble protein or native protein into the, the aggregated state. DDX5 serves a variety of important functions in the body, often helping to make sure that other proteins are made properly. Yarosh says from its amino acid sequence, the researchers predicted that DDX5 was likely to behave like a prion, and their subsequent work confirmed that it does. One misfolded DDX5 protein promotes the misfolding and aggregation of other DDX5 molecules. But the aggregation doesn't stop there. The Stanford researchers found a variety of other proteins in the clumps of DDX5 as well. John Labadia's laboratory at University College London studies protein quality control and aging. When these things aggregate, they tend to form these kind of, you know, sticky blobs that are present in the cell, which then start sequestering lots of other unrelated things as well. Meaning that other proteins are trapped, indiscriminately interfering with cellular functions. Labadia says it suggests that we have these proteins that aggregate with age and that can actually catalyze further aggregation of proteins in a prion-like manner, which wasn't shown before. The Stanford team carefully established which region of the DDX5 protein makes it possible for condensation to control its activity, and it turned out to be the same region that also makes it prone to aggregation. Control over the protein's natural function and its tendency to aggregate are inextricably linked. 
Here's Yarosh again. That has been one of the fascinating shifts in mindset for me. The, the disorder domain, of course, it isn't required for the activity that's very narrowly defined, but in terms of how that activity is really deployed in a living system, that's actually extremely important. Cynthia Kenyon says exactly what triggers aggregates to form and how much trouble they cause for cells remains a huge, fantastic, big controversy in the field. On the one hand, aggregates sequester DDX5 and other proteins, effectively eliminating important cellular functions. But aggregates may also have a protective effect on cell survival. A good example of the protective effect emerged from studies of the Huntington protein, which is most abundant in the brain. Huntington is essential for the healthy development of nervous systems, but in people with Huntington's disease, a mutation causes the Huntington protein to be abnormally long. The long protein then gets chopped up into smaller, toxic segments that damage the nervous system. Steve Finkbeiner is a researcher on aging at the Gladstone Institutes and the University of California, San Francisco. In 2004, he was studying aggregation of Huntington protein in cultured neurons. His team showed that although all the neurons expressing the abnormal Huntington protein died over time, the neurons that had aggregates of Huntington survived longer than those that did not. Finkbeiner says it was the first evidence that aggregate formation was a coping response to other submicroscopic forms of the misfolded protein that were causing the trouble. He and others have shown since then that this protective aggregation response occurs in other neurodegenerative diseases as well. Finkbeiner says it may explain the repeated failure of experimental trials for treating Alzheimer's disease by targeting plaques. If the amyloid plaques characteristic of the disease form to protectively bind up the defective protein, then breaking up the plaques might do more harm than good. Finkbeiner says it's a hard concept for humans to grasp, since it seems intuitive that things that look abnormal should be bad and pathogenic. He points out that biology is complex and full of many feedback loops, so it's important that people don't get fooled by jumping to conclusions. The picture emerging clearly now is that protein aggregation isn't a phenomenon restricted to neurodegenerative diseases. It's part of every cell that lives long enough to age. Many normal, developmentally important proteins like DDX5 have a tendency to aggregate, and coping with this clumping is a universal challenge that every cell has to address. Since cells have been dealing with this problem for a very long time, preventing aggregation may have been a major force in the evolution of protein sequences. Because abundant proteins are prone to aggregation and mutations increase that tendency, natural selection against mutations in abundant proteins is likely to be very strong. That conclusion is supported by the observation that in young animals, more abundant proteins tend to have lower mutation rates. So scarce proteins may evolve more quickly than abundant proteins, and a faster evolutionary rate should correlate with a propensity to aggregate. Brunet and Yaroche observed that this effect was most pronounced in the brain of the killifish. The researchers speculated that those aggregating proteins may have been keys to innovations in the organ. 
If so, the evolutionary changes in the brain that made it such an important organ in vertebrates may also have made the organ more vulnerable to degenerative diseases caused by aggregation. Indeed, Yarosh says it's likely that every tissue and organ has to find a different balance or trade-off between doing its job and managing protein aggregation. Every tissue has unique functional requirements and constraints to obey. Intestinal cells turn over constantly. Endocrine cells make and secrete hormones. Immune cells spring into action when they detect invaders. The brain processes information. Different jobs demand different proteins, which means the evolved strategies for coping with protein aggregation will vary from tissue to tissue and from animal to animal. Because the vertebrate brain has, in the relatively recent past, evolved so much more extensively and quickly than, say, the muscles, its protein quality control machinery may not have had enough time yet to evolve adequate protections against the aggregation of relatively new proteins. Here's Dalla David. The whole interest of this is that these are proteins that are normal proteins in the cell that the organism has to deal with every day. The idea that these proteins have an intrinsic propensity to aggregate, the organism has to protect against the aggregation. It's not some specific aggregation happening during disease or during massive stress. It's something physiological that we all have to deal with. And so this means that there's lots of different mechanisms to deal with it. The cell has to deal with it. And David says the fact that protein aggregation throughout the body is a factor in the aging of organisms as disparate as yeast, worms, flies, fish, mice, and humans means her field should be paying a lot more attention to it. Matt Carlstrom helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Viviane Collier's full article, Protein Blobs Linked to Alzheimer's Affect Aging in All Cells, on our website, quantamagazine.org. Explore more science mysteries in the Quanta book, Alice and Bob Meet the Wall of Fire, published by the MIT Press. Available now at amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com, or your local bookstore.